Nation. Providing you with the practical tools and expert knowledge to optimize your strength, health, and mindset inside and out. With your host, Steve Katarzy. Welcome to Adaptation, the podcast that dives into all things self optimization and self discovery, helping you be your best inside and out. I'm your host, Steve Katarzy, and what an episode we have coming up. I'll be speaking to the modern day bodybuilding and wellness legend, Ben Pakulski, about developing your mental game, finding true happiness, and of course, building big muscles. This is a cool conversation because we actually had it just outside the Health Optimization Summit in London, where Ben just wrapped up his talk that marked the start of his 2019 European tour. Buzzing from the learning, curiosity, and intellectual debate of this event, we managed to grab Ben in a highly reflective and philosophical headspace, which I thought was great. It was a true pleasure, even in a hot and sweaty and loud Airbnb with the windows open and the buses rolling past. Um, yeah, at least it adds to the ambiance of this podcast. See, Ben has redefined his career to one focused now on thriving, wellness, and living your best life. His podcast and overarching website, Muscle Intelligence, is considered, I'd say, one of the best resources out there and has a huge loyal following. What Ben does so well is he blends experience, drive, enthusiasm, intelligence, and an insatiable curiosity to make for great conversations of discovery and reflection. Ben is on a mission to navigate and curate the burden of noise in the self-optimization space in order to personally find and share the true value with his audience, with you. He's not only looking for the what, but also the who, as in, who does this apply to? And as expected, it was an awesome conversation. Honestly, I wish we had more time, but within this 45 minutes, we managed to have a great deep and valuable conversation. There are some powerful concepts shared by Ben in this episode that have the potential to move the needle in your mindset, life and training immediately. I know they have for me. So if you want a heads up as to what we talk about in a bit more detail, head over to the show notes in your podcast app or go over to adaptnation.io. In essence, it's a conversation of two halves. First part is about growth, curiosity and emotion. This is really the philosophical and reflective conversation about our respective headspaces and what makes for happiness. That's a really, really cool discussion. Hopefully you'll enjoy the back and forth. And the second half of the discussion are Ben's key training principles. Ben believes that much of the fitness industry is focusing our attention in the wrong areas. So he lays down the key principles to developing real quality muscle. And of course, a man of his physique, it's worth listening to. He clearly knows a thing or two. I hope you enjoyed this episode, guys. So let's just get straight into it. We have the one and only Ben Pekulski. Nation. For the guys listening, I'm with Ben Pekulski and we are here at Kensington Olympia 
after you've just wrapped up the Health Optimization Summit, which is, I believe, Dave Asprey's summit. Dave's was involved, it? yeah. There's a gentleman by the name of Tim Gray, who um, is local here to London. And I guess he ended up partnering with Dave and, and one of Dave's um, business partners, Martin, as well as um, Keith and Michelle Norris from PaleoFX. So it was just kind of collaboration to really bring an event to London and I'll be honest it was fantastic um, like anyone who didn't make it this year should absolutely plan to go next year I get to travel through a lot of these events yeah and no blowing smoke this was a really really well put together event and and the speakers were absolutely world-class I made sure to sit on as many of the presentations as I could um, literally I mean you have these smartest people in the world effectively condensing information you know condensing their life's work into a 40-minute presentation mm -hmm. and, you know I sat down to write this presentation exclusively for the seminar because uh, one, I knew the caliber of people that were going to be in the audience, and, and two, is is a new, a new market for me, right? Typically, I'm talking to these very health-centric people, and this isn't necessarily so. This demographic isn't necessarily people who are just into their bodies, not just fitness-oriented. It's like health optimization, longevity. So, I sat down to write this presentation and had this awareness that there's there's 25 other presenters sitting down to do this right now who are literally the smartest people in the world, condensing their life's work into a 40-minute presentation. And how could you beat that, man? The value that they're providing. Mm -hmm. I put a lot of time and effort in my presentation. Um, and, you know, the amount of value that I think I just provided for people, and that's not tooting my own horn, just like I spent so much thought in, in like, just curating what people were going to hear. Um, so I think, man, anybody who doesn't make the time to go to this thing next year is, uh, is certainly missing out. And what was the audience like? If you had to kind of describe the demographic or people's interests? Very, very intelligent. So, okay. yeah, man, the questions I got and, and the, the caliber of the person was very high. So, um, yeah, I mean, demographic-wise, certainly 25 to 50, maybe yeah, 55, probably 25 to 50. A lot of professionals, a lot of executives, um, you know, people well put together, healthy, and a lot of people who are aspiring to be healthy, right? So. Mm. Cool. I'm glad we could find a time to, to Man, grab something. I appreciate you coming down. In, in, our, in our noisy little setup, so apologies up front, uh, but we've got a window it, open on a hot day. I think it adds to the, the ambiance of the... There we go. The, yeah. sell, it, sell it to us, man. <laughs> so um, you're best known for um, your bodybuilding career. I think uh, yeah. people know about your, uh, your name. They'll hear that you know, you know, you've, you've done very well in that industry. Thank you. Um, I know you best, in all fairness, though, for your podcast, for your Muscle Intelligence podcast, and for, I think, just generally your intelligence, your curiosity, your honesty, and um, yeah, I, I just really enjoy your tone and how you explore, curate, and navigate this space of Thank trying you, to be man. your best. I appreciate that. Thanks very much. And, and it's a sincere desire, right? I wake up every morning with an insatiable desire to be better, and what that means to me is I need to learn how to, like you said, curate all of the information, right? Because we're just bombarded from every direction with information and, and uh, everyone thinks they have the cure. Everyone thinks they have the solution. Mm -hmm. and you have to learn to sift through the good or sift through the, the maybe not so good to get to the great, right? Um, and that's really how my brain works. So when I hear something that's really exciting or that's filling one of the gaps for me, it's this insatiable desire to understand it. And I'll reach out to the, the best people in the world and bring them on the podcast. And that's why I'm at this, this uh, Health Optimization Summit, right? It's like I saw these people on this list and I was like, okay, well, I was very grateful they asked me to present, but like it's, it, there was extremely bright people here. I mean, it's, honestly, the best conversation I had the whole weekend was in the elevator with one of the presenters, got to share a taxi with them. And it was the most I've learned in a long time. And it was specific to photobiomodulation and 
which is light and how it influences the body and uh, and the stuff you could learn just like hanging around the lobby or hanging around the expo of, of, the, of the summit was fa fantastic was for a curious mind perfect right. and somebody yeah. can get it gets it as well because so some of this stuff is quite complex here's my belief and i could be completely out of left field with this but my belief is that the reason people aren't curious because they're not aware of what people are doing like my curiosity has grown exponentially since starting the podcast right so i get to interview here's an example today i interviewed aubrey de gray if people don't know who that is He's what would be considered the godfather of the longevity movement. He's the guy who's cracked the code. And I had an hour and a half, like 60 to 90 minute conversation with him today. We actually literally sat next door and had pints at the, at the pub. So I've invited him in here in this place where we are now. And I said, Aubrey, would you like a water? He goes, I don't like water. It takes up space. I'm like, what do you drink? He said, I drink beer. I'm like, well, let's go to the pub next door and have a pint. <laughs> I don't drink beer, but I'm having a beer with Aubrey de Grey. And I was like, okay. And I thought it would be a good conversation starter. Like, why does the guy who, who cracked the cure, cracked longevity, cracked the code, why is he drinking beer? Like, don't we believe it's bad? Yes, we do. But maybe he doesn't. So let's ask that question, right? Maybe it shifts our paradigm a little bit. So my thing, and this is since I was you know, a child, challenging people's beliefs, challenging my own beliefs. Mm -hmm. Like, what are the bullshit rules, the rules that you have in your life that, oh, this is the truth? Like, there's a lot of people out there who are uh, dogmatically attached to this is the way life is and this is the way it's got to be. And I think that's bullshit. I think you have to realize that everything is a continuum. Everything can, can fit in one situation. It can not fit in another situation. It can fit for one person and be completely the wrong person thing for somebody else. So learning how to think um, through a, a, with a problem-solving mindset, right, is essential to life. And, and, and manifesting this curiosity that exists. It's like, never accept something in front of you as reality, question it and go, well, why is that? Why is that thing right there called a bowl? Why is that thing called a spoon, right? And that's, that's a terrible example, but like questioning the things in front of you. Well, everyone says that you need to drink water. Well, I'll tell you what, two of the smartest people I've met in my entire life, both say you should never, three actually people after today, say you should never drink water. And they have very well articulated reasons. Okay. Right? And, and these are like some of the most intelligent researchers, biochemists, say you should not drink water. And you're like, well, that goes against everything I believe. I grew up thinking that vegetables were good for you. Some of the smartest people I've ever met in my life say vegetables are bad for you. And that becomes reinforced over and over again with these other smart people I meet. It's, man, it's so uh, exciting to me to hear all of this confusion. People hear quote unquote confusion and they get overwhelmed. But I hear this, these differing points, which for some people would cause confusion, and it makes me excited to ultimately progress to find the who, right? So I say the who because, like, who is that right for? And who is that right for? And who is that right for? Because ultimately, there's no right answer. There's just an application. It's like tools and tool belt, right? So I'm wearing a tool belt. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a carpenter. I'm a general contractor, and I've got all these tools. And you know, if I'm a if I'm a carpenter, maybe everything looks like everything looks like a nail. So I'm always going to use the hammer. But if I'm you know, a plumber and now I get to use a wrench or whatever, right? So you got to learn to have all the tools in your tool belt and just learn when to apply them. And that's the beauty of this kind of stuff where you can learn to curate. So I completely agree with what you're saying. It's, it's such an exciting space where I think, as you say, lots of the paradigms and the kind of traditional wisdom is being explored, challenged, or potentially even thrown away. I love that. Yep. There's a couple of problems I have with it though. Firstly, it's taxing, right? We, as, as, as humans, we're, we're built to have automatic rules in our life, shortcuts, right? Habits, rituals, 
means of going, I know the answer, whether it's a value Throw system. Throw them all out. I know, but it's that is taxing in its own right to challenge Good. your value system Good. of everything that you've been told is right, you know, saturated fat, vegetables, yeah. you know, training styles, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I that's how you grow, right? That's how you overcome the person you are to become the person you want to be. You but it, have, is, you but it is taxing to constantly challenge your current status of knowledge, so, isn't it? Yeah. So when I built my gym, this is just an example. When I built my gym, for the first 18 months, every day I would go in there, I would be unhappy. I'd feel unsettled. I'd be like, oh, man, I want to change that. And I want to change that. I want to change that. So it was this constant chasing of, like, I want to get my gym to its ideal state. And then one day, I just woke up, and there's nothing left that I wanted to change. And I was like, oh, I feel good about this. And, and I'm hoping that one day that comes about in life. Maybe it won't, right? And, and, and I'd probably be equally as happy if it doesn't. But at some point... You know, I'm constantly changing my diet. I'm constantly changing my what I'm studying. I'm constantly changing, you know, what I'm consuming as far as supplements and vitamins and water, and always. And I'm experimenting, right? And even other things that we're experimenting with. Um, but at some point, I may come to the realization, like, okay, I've I've cracked the code of my genetics on how I can live my greatest life. For me, that means having an abundance of energy, having an abundance of happiness and joy and fulfillment, uh, having an abundance of amazing people around me, right? So I have the ability to give and receive love and. And then I have health and fitness, right? So there's all of these kind of parts of the pie. So how do you then access the best information in the world to curate your piece of the pie? So I'm not only doing it for myself, but I'm potentially doing it for millions of people. Yeah. So that's really where I sit, is I want to know as much as I can about as much as I can. I don't expect to ever be a specialist. I don't expect to ever be an expert in anything. But what I want to do is be able to curate all the pieces, right? Like, hey, that's where that fits with that. And I'm never going to be an expert on genetics. I'm never going to be an expert on microbiology or biochemistry or whatever, but, or, or anything. But I, I want to know enough about this piece of mind-body integration and how to optimize all the systems so that people that come to me, I can always provide value and perspective and guidance. And I may not have the answer, but I could like, oh, you should stop doing that and think about that and then go send them to who the expert is, mm -hmm. right? So it's almost like the quarterback calling the plays, right? Or the guy on the sidelines calling, you know, football analogy. You're, you're no, British, I get it. But yeah, <laughs> someone just, just stand, someone standing behind, just like, hey, this is what we're gonna do, right? And let's see how that works. And oh, it didn't work this time. Let's do this, right? And you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So there, we need more people like that. So what you're doing is fantastic. Um, I think there is so much, so much noise, so much distraction, so much conflict in information as well as stuff that quite frankly is wrong and has ill intent or is manipulated. How do you know? So and how do you know? Exactly. How does the general person navigate a world of unlimited information in the pursuit of a simple, fulfilling, successful, enjoyable life? You have to set your bar. What, is, what does living a great life mean to you, right? So does it mean I want to have muscle? Does it mean I want to be lean? Does it mean I want to have mental energy or, or physical energy or great sex or great Golden. vacations? Okay, <laughs> well then find the things that contribute to that for you and knock them off system by system and realize it's transient. Like what I eat right now may not work for me in six months, but if I start to um, become familiar with the symptoms that start to manifest, like, oh, my energy's not really good. Well, one, you should be measuring things as much as possible, right? If we have the ability to, to look at biometrics, like blood markers, like urine analysis, like uh, HRV and sleep, well, now I can say, hey, if I move X, Y happens. Okay, well, that's good. I like that, right? And we start to just learn how to measure things. And that's, I think, the future, right? This, they suggest that 
and I believe this is actually more true than people think, they suggest that within a few years, and I believe it'll be certainly less than 10, we'll be able to have an internal wearable that gives us a reading almost in real time that says, hey, you're lacking this vitamin, so you need more of this. Yeah, it's, it's there. So I actually know a person who may have the technology made And already. what cloud is that going to be connected to? Which, which Google, Amazon, or Facebook are going to be getting that data? That worries me. Is yeah. this, can, this technology that can effectively give away our soul to anyone who's offering the technology to us? And, and it is literally going to be this concept of like, like you say, your soul, right? Because they're going to have access to Every, everything. They'll know when I find someone attractive, whether I had good sex or not. Whether so here's I'm the crazy off. thing. There's somebody doing that already. There's people doing that already. A very uh, well-known company, and not one of the main ones you just mentioned, is tracking pregnant women in, in the perspective of they know when they go to sleep, they know when they wake up, they know when they're hungry, they know when their um, hormones are elevated. Like they know, so they track them for six months. So they can just get biometric readings on them. And I was like, how do you know this stuff? They said no constant data, right? All these wearables you have. You have like wearables for blood sugar, you have wearables for HRV. So they can tell when anything happened to these people. So and then they're maybe trying to look at how that affects epigenetics, right? So you know what epigenetics yeah. are, your, your audience may not, but genetics is kind of the blueprint. And the epigenetics is um, you know, how it expresses, right? How to turn on and off your your genes effectively and yeah. what they can and can't do. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, exactly. Um, but man, I think this thing is so fascinating. And I think if you dwell on the negative implications, like speaking to Aubrey de Grey today, he said, um, you know, when he mentions the word, he doesn't like to preferably use the word longevity because people hear the word longevity and they think, well, the population is going to increase and the world's going to be overpopulated and then what are we going to do? But he's like, well, it's not really about increasing longevity, although that's the end result. It's about how can I increase the health span? How can I make you more healthy so that you live longer? And then and just die. <laughs> you know, when you go, you go maybe, without a maybe. protracted disease that you know keeps right. you hanging on for twenty Who years. Who knows what's going to happen, right? Like, can we predict? Absolutely not. But I think if you dwell on it, you're just wasting your life, man. Who gives a shit what's going to happen tomorrow? Like, I mean, yes, you have to have a plan. Like, you want to have an objective. But if most people spend their whole life today worrying about tomorrow, and that's just ridiculous to me. So I like to be take up an attitude of what I call, or I mean, it's a term, equanimity, right? So what does that mean? It means I'm always of, of balanced mind. And I'm not 100% perfect at this, but something happened to me that's the best thing in the world. And I'm so grateful, but it never sways my emotions. And something could happen to me that's bad, and it doesn't really sway my emotions. I observe it. I acknowledge it. I usually find a way to be grateful for it. I move on. Mm. Right? It doesn't affect me. I'm not this, this emotional uh, roller coaster, right? I'm, I'm not a teeter-totter going back and forth side to side. It's just like, how can you stay grounded and level in this reality that consciousness is only painted by your perception? Does that make sense? So, no, it does. Yeah, consciousness is a blank canvas, man. You make it what you will. You want to paint it black? You can do that. You want to paint it um, bright blue, beautiful sky, you can do that too. I love this conversation. Yeah. It's, uh, it's where I'm at right now. Just yeah. reading a ton. Have you read... Um, have you read Yuval Harari's books? Funny, I was listening to him on uh, Sam Harris's podcast. Yes, two days ago on the way here, actually. I have not read his books, but they're you on my list. To, you have to. But Homo Deus is the second. I know. First one is about the future. Yeah. The second one is talking exactly about this, about this idea of nanotechnology, wearable technology, biotechnology, and how there. it will... They, your the technology's decisions are whoever owns the technology will make smarter decisions for you in the moment than you possibly can. That's what they're talking so about. So we will pass on 
the decision making to technology because it can make better decisions for us, like yep. partners, you know, decisions around what yep. our, our life should look like, what we should do next, what we should eat. It's exciting yeah. and a bit scary. <laughs> well, it certainly levels the playing field, right? It certainly takes away any, well, certainly any current advantages that we have as human beings. And we just have to look at what the next uh, skill set will be to thrive in the future, right? So if you have something that has artificial intelligence and the ability to make your decisions for you, that takes away your advantage over every other human being because they're all going to have the same advantage. Mm -hmm. So then what Unless is... Unless you've got a slightly better version of the software. Maybe. <laughs> that, that's right up your alley, right? <laughs> or uh, looking at, well, okay, if that's the reality, what is going to be the thing that sets you apart? Because it'll all we're animals, man. It's always going to be a hierarchy. It will always be a hierarchy until we become robots. And then there's no hierarchy, but there has to be. I mean, I, I believe I could be completely ignorant, but as an animal, there's always a hierarchy, right? There has to be, a, you walk up to the watering hole, who's drinking first, right? Um, there's the controllers of technology and then there's the consumers of technology. And I think as long as you're on that other, that side of the equation where you're controlling technology, you'll, you'll be aware of what technology offers and you've got the consciousness to be aware of what it can and can't do. And also your influence in its direction. I think that's where the, that's where the control and power is in the future. It, it's already... Yeah the future it's already I, I now. I disagree and I think uh, any listener who kind of becomes paranoid or, or worried about this stuff you have no control it's like flying in an airplane when you go up in an airplane smile and go holy shit I'm traveling 700 800 kilometers an hour in a fucking tube in the sky get to go anywhere I want in the world and if this thing crashes smile because it doesn't fucking matter there's nothing you're going to do about it your toes. So why stress about why it? Why right? stress? Yeah. Like who cares? And and same thing there. Like if I happen to to die because whatever reason to do with technology, as long as I've made the most of every moment that I'm here and I loved with uh, no conditions and I received love and I, I worked hard and I, I contributed to the human species, that that's all that matters, right? What else could possibly matter, right? Like can't take money with you you can't take muscle with you what else could possibly matter so just live this reality of, of being a great human being and thriving whatever brings you absolute joy and so that's what my talk was about at this health optimization summit you know as you mentioned people know me as the guy for building muscle right the best people in the world come to me to build muscle and i love that but i also you know sneak some stuff in there while we're doing it to like anchor their brain from the negative default that most people have into this default of joy and positivity and, and fulfillment and achievement. And you can do that just by learning. It's not manipulation. Ultimately, it's just learning how to anchor cognitive states of mind, right? And, and we could talk about that if you like, but it's such an interesting opportunity that I mean, I don't know numbers, but I would say a very large percentage of the world lives in negative mind states, right? They wake up, they have a negative mindset. And what they don't realize is the reason that happens is it becomes a habit. It becomes an unconscious habit you don't think about. You wake up in the morning, negative thought. You wake up in the morning, stress. You walk into your kitchen, stress. You open your fridge, you don't know what to eat, stress. You leave the house, you look at your phone, email, stress. And that's the response that you've created. So now what if you can create an alternative response? And what if you can learn to just change your perspective a little bit? Because that message that you just got on your phone is not negative. It's the way you paint it. That whatever stress that you have in your life is not negative. That's the way you choose to see it. So how do we then change your perspective over time? 
not a one not a one minute thing. Although it's been it's been known to happen immediately, but typically it's it's like any habit. It takes a while to create. Often, you know, start with thirty days. Like I'm going to create this habit of every morning being grateful when I wake up. I'm going to be you know three minutes of gratitude, and I can talk about that because that's a life changing habit. Um, that's step one. Step two, maybe during my exercise, right? What am I doing when I train? What's my what what am I thinking about? What are my emotional states? Or maybe even meditation, right? And and this idea of creating times throughout your day where you're intentionally creating your mind. What does that mean? Well, when I wake up in the morning, my, my mind is undisturbed, right? It's coming out of an unconscious state. It's undisturbed. It's not painted with anything yet. So don't look at your phone. Create the person you want to be right now. When I'm, when I'm meditating, your mind is hopefully undisturbed. Create the person I want to be right now. When I'm training, my mind is hopefully undisturbed. Create the person I want to be right now. So I'm literally anchoring any type of emotions, any type of thoughts, any type of uh, traits that I want to maintain and control in my life. Can this happen in one session? Like I say, no. But can it happen over 30 days? Absolutely. You can shift your life. It's right there in your hands, but people are too lazy to do it. And so, okay, it, because of they believe it's a bigger undertaking than it really is, right? Like anything in life, right? Like people don't start because of what they believe it's going to take to achieve it. And that's just not the right perspective, right? It needs to be, I'm just going to start like, like a business, right? When you start a business, if you think about what it's going to take to make your first million dollars, your first $10 million, you're never going to start. You're going to Luckily, there's naive optimism that's, that has most entrepreneurs start. Because if it wasn't for that, most people wouldn't. Because everything's harder than you expect it to be. You know what I mean? And there's going to be so many unforeseen mishaps or things that are more complex than you expected. Uh, but you need a bit of optimism. And if it's naive or not, at least or, you are have some faith. just initiative, right? Just fucking start. Yep. Have you ever climbed a mountain? No. So a mountain's a great example, right? And it's the, it's the metaphor that it makes the most sense intellectually. But also, if you've ever climbed a mountain, you know what I'm talking about. You'll, you'll be climbing a mountain, you can't see the peak. And you're like, oh, there's the peak. And you get there, you're like, fuck, that's not the peak. And then you look and you see another like massive peak and you're like, oh my God, I don't know if I can do it. And then you do it and you get there and you're like, that's not even the peak. And I got another one. So there's these multiple peaks and that's just life, right? It's like, I see that first peak, I'm like, I can do that. And you get there and you realize that was just like one of the foothills and you're like, oh, nope, there's another one there. And like, you see, it must be the highest mountain because it's all you can see because it's the one in front of you, right? But then behind that one, there's the next one that's higher and you don't ever see it till you get to the top. And that's the, that's the metaphor for life is like, you don't have to climb the biggest mountain. You just have to take the first step because the next, no matter what mountain you're climbing, there's always another one after it, inevitably, right? You're not climbing the biggest mountain in the world. So there's always just start with the foothills, man, and set the goal of, I don't have to climb the whole mountain today. I just have to take a step. And if I'm always moving in the right direction, I'm, I'm building myself toward being the best version of myself in the future. I've, I've, I find this stuff fascinating, Ben, only because... I think I'm, I'm a relatively optimistic person. Um, I take initiative. I've, um, you know, I'm known for the person who go gets. Doesn't mean I, I live in a place of happiness. Mm -hmm. That I live in a place of contentment. If anything, I think I have a struggle between um, the desire for more, the desire for growth, right? Which I think is in in all of us, in some way, shape, or form, we want more. Whatever more is expressed in your life. And I'm, I'm, I'm quite more... I'd love to talk about that, actually. I'm a, a future-oriented individual. I'm always focused on the future, the next thing, the next thing I'm going to build. But the challenge is when you've always got your head in the future, thinking about what next thing you can create, grow, add you value don't to. celebrate on today. Do you celebrate the moment? And yeah. do, you, do you truly appreciate the fact that life is good right now? Okay, it's going to be better tomorrow. And therefore, 
should you celebrate because it isn't good enough or do you find a way to be content in the moment and that's my constant battle is can happiness be so, more than a fleeting moment here, here, here and there right there's a, there's a few responses to that it's a, a two-part <laughs> two, two segment response um first I'll, I'll, well let's start this way I'll, I'll tell my story and it's a really quick story as a young aspiring bodybuilder um i believed that i was going to be mr olympia i believed that um no matter what it took i was going to become mr olympia and i believed when i achieved my goal of walking on the olympia stage i will feel fulfilled as a, as a human being i'll feel fulfilled as a man and uh you know i walked on that stage twice and after the first time i kind of was like what the heck like it, it doesn't fulfill me the way that I wanted to you know that next year I made my first million dollars and I was like well that didn't really feel what I thought it was going to do and then 2016 I did it again and I was like gosh you know like at, at that point I realized I had this actually 2012 I had this realization when I got off stage of the Olympia I walked off knowing just intuitively knowing that this external journey that I had been so voraciously pursuing external journey of like to become the greatest bodybuilder on in the planet wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Like I stepped on stage at the biggest show in the world and I felt more empty than I ever have. And you know this, and, and we both know people who are very successful in anything, maybe money, whatever, sports that are not fulfilled. The external can never fulfill you. It can never be something outside of you that creates happiness. When you buy a pair of shoes, you feel awesome about buying that pair of shoes it makes you feel great for about 10 minutes and then it's like oh maybe the first time you wear them you feel great again first two or three times you wear them and then it's gone right it's lost all its appeal well that's the reality so this is again coming back to this mountain analogy i think every human in their life has to transcend that first mountain that first foothill of uh, the desire to accumulate whatever it is money muscle anything um power whatever uh, and then you get there and you go oh man I got this thing and I thought I was going to be all happy and fulfilled and I feel empty inside. And then you turn around and you shine the spotlight, the spotlight on yourself and you say, oh, the journey, the true journey in life is creating happiness that exists inside because true happiness can't exist in external things. It can't. It's fleeting, right? It can come and it goes. It comes and it goes. I can always take that away from you. I can always take your money away. I can always take your shoes away. But nobody can take away internal happiness. And that's what people need to realize. And I don't know if it's possible without first ascending the mountain of uh, proving, proving yourself, like proving yourself to yourself. Like, yes, I can accomplish these things. Mm -hmm. And then once you've accomplished whatever the goal is that you said I was to accomplish and you realize that it's not what you thought it was going to be, you go, okay, well, now the journey has to go inside. Right, so we all go from the external to the internal. It's definitely where I'm at right now. Yeah, I, and man, and it's not. I'm not unhappy. I, I think I've got a fantastic life by you know all measures, and I'm appreciative and grateful for so much of it. And I spend most of my days being grateful. Doesn't mean I don't get pissed off. But you're not fulfilled. Have, and it, well, I'm, it's it's a it's complex because I I am fulfilled when I'm honest with myself and say look around you what you've got you know two beautiful kids right. both you know both thriving great food, got money in the bank, good, great family, great uh, wife, businesses developing. So I've got so many things to be happy about. But happiness in my life, at least, and I think I, I, I kind of feel it's universal, is fleeting. That moment of like true, like when you think back on it now and say, name your top five proudest, happiest moments, 
you're not counting off 50 in the last two days. You are counting out five or 10 that really stick out in your mind. So that for me says, can you be truly happy minute to minute to minute? Or is it something you accept that life is, what bring, is suffering? What brings you happiness? It's the smaller, it's the smaller things in life, right? If, if Give me I, an example. Give me one for example, example, we had a great barbecue just before I rocked up here. So, you know, great food, nice bit of steak, sun was shining, kids were outside, everyone was happy. No one was arguing, which is, which was nice. And yeah, I just looked around and thought, you know what? I've got a great vista out in the garden. Everyone's happy. And in that moment, that is, that is probably a moment that will etch in my mind is just, that's what happiness is. Nothing else is going on. Right. We're just happy. Okay. Do you think you need to create that every day? If you wanted to create that tomorrow, could you? I mean, we could we could have a barbecue every every day, assuming the sun is shining. You can so. do it again. It might lose its luster, and then that would lose it its would. happiness, of right? Course it would. So I don't think that as long as you know that that is a part of your life, and you keep nourishing those relationships, and you keep making sure those people are happy and fulfilled, and you're giving them love, and they're they're receiving your love unconditionally, that's where the happiness is, right? It's in the ability to give love. It's the ability to receive love. And I think a lot of people. Uh, lack the ability to re give and receive love. And that, that's normal because, you know, you have your beliefs around your emotions. But, um, yeah, man, happiness is one of these things that, yeah, again, nobody really has a great definition for because it it's so fleeting. It's mm -hmm. from person to person. But whatever it is for you, man, like be arrived. I, I think it always comes back to people. It, it almost seems like it never really comes back to having great relationships and having uh, acceptance and love of who you are and what you do every day. Like every man needs that. Maybe women too. I'm not a woman, so I don't know. Needs significance, right? So you want to feel like I'm, a, I'm contributing. I'm, I'm, I'm doing something great today. And that's the fulfillment aspect. Happiness is not the same. So you can certainly be pursuing fulfillment in business and life and, and whatever. But happiness is coming home and going, thank you for everything I have, right? And yeah. you could take it all away from me and I would still be happy, right? Not me, hopefully not the family, but even, even that, right? Like, think of, we, live, we live in this current society where losing your children is, is a terrible thing. But think even 100 years ago, what percentage of people actually lived past, I think somebody was telling me today, so I don't remember the exact year, but it was just over 100 years ago. I think it was like at the turn of the century at 1900, 40% of babies died by the yeah. age of one, 40%. That's insane, right? So again, that's a huge challenge to get your head around. Like you have to accept that as part of reality. But man, I think learning how to be grateful for the time that you have and um, really anything that's given to your life is, is maybe the biggest uh, peak, the biggest summit on this journey, right? It's looking at everything. And dude, I'm not, a, I'm not perfect at this by any stretch, right? Like I'm sitting here missing my kids just like you probably are, right? Um, but maybe that's what makes you appreciate them even more when you go back. And again, I don't so have the answer. Here's, so. here's, here's, here's another way to kind of look at this and, and, and a pivot towards training. So you've been training for a long time and we can see it and we can see it in the pictures online as well. I don't know about you. I, I, I love training. doesn't mean I am happy sure. when I am training doing, drop, doing a 50 rep drop set. I'm not happy in the moment. That is stoic. That's suffering. Why not? Because it ain't fun. It, it, it isn't fun when not? you're pushing your body to a place you I really don't want to be. I don't agree. So, so you enjoy it when you're slamming yourself and you're like, oh. I've created an association with hard training and progress. And In the moment, can you be happy when 
You're really pushing it. Absolutely. Yeah? Okay. Absolutely. And if I can't be completely happy, at least I can be impartial to it. I can be neutral. Okay. Right? Like, no, but to be honest, you'll see me doing my hardest sets and not always, but often I'm smiling. Right? And, and I'll often say to my clients and my friends and people who come to the gym, in the, the deepest depths of your hardest set, smile, knowing you're becoming a better version of yourself. And because that's really what that's it is, at. right? Like growth is at growth is at that that. Mm. Oh man, I don't know if I can do it. Ah, yes, go right. And that's the conversation going out of my mind. I can't do another one. Yes, like I'm gonna try. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Right. That's always the conversation. It doesn't have to be. Uh, God, I got another one. I'm in so much pain. And and then asking the question. I'm trying to teach, teach my kids this. Why do we associate pain as a bad thing? Mm -hmm. Is pain a bad thing? My belief is that pain creates awareness, right? You stick your hand in a stove, what happens? You burn it. You get mad at the stove? No, you say thank you to the stove. And you say, well, thank you. Or you say thank you to the pain. And you say, hey, thank you for letting me know that I shouldn't do that anymore. Like if I did that again, if you didn't have pain, you would die, right? So I'm, thank I'm thankful for this discomfort. I'm thankful for this pain, for creating awareness that I need to change something. So in exercise, I'm thankful for the pain because it's contributing to my goal. If I burn my hand, right, there's a disease that, uh, I don't know what it's called, there's, there's a disease because people are born with it, they don't have the ability to feel pain. People are like, that's amazing. What's life expectancy? Five years, wow. right? Because they can't, they can't feel pain. So they're always hurting themselves. They have, they have tremendous amount of damage to their body. They can't feel it. So they don't have the learning mechanism. It's just a learning mechanism, right? And if you can teach your kids that from a young age, to, I mean, good and bad, perhaps, because kids can tend to get a little, a little crazy if they start to associate positivity with pain. But if you can just change that association to say, thank you for this discomfort, uh, so teaching me I shouldn't do that again, um, I think it's a different paradigm, right? It's just like I agree. challenging everything you, you say. Well, pain pain can be likened to suffering, and suffering is really just, it's, it's screaming at you that you're either making progress, you're pushing against something which there's resistance to, and if you can work out how to overcome that, you will grow. So suffering for me is growth. It's part of growth. And but I, even, I've even changing that word, what, what does suffering, suffering mean to you, right? Changing that word, changing that association. Yeah, it's not a negative one for me because yeah. I suffer when I'm in the gym, but I don't dislike the gym. I just don't necess necessarily enjoy it when I'm doing the really hard sets. Mm -hmm. Anyway, let's 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 close on one last thing. It's going to be slightly less um, mindset oriented, a little bit more kind of bro and in in the gym. Just just so I can take away some selfish uh, requirements here for my gym progress. So I know that you speak quite differently about training to others, and I know that there are some kind of universal, you know, big rocks or principles that it doesn't matter who you speak to from the the parrot fashion pt or the song or, or the guys that are really on the front line leading the pack in terms of their understanding of good programming design and those principles around progressive overload and nutrition etc but do you have any uh, underappreciated or undervalued principles in the gym that more people should be hearing about and executing well, that's a long conversation. I have a lot, right? And I think you brought up those things. And often people say programming and progressive overload and, and um, you know, volume and, and density and all these things. And they, and they say them as um, uh, automatic truths, right? We believe that programming is important. Progressive overload is important. And, and we believe that to be true. But I don't. I don't believe them to be true for at least 90% of the population. So here's why. What's progressive overload? Right, so most people think progressive overload and they think more weight on the bar. 
if you're lifting in powerlifting or athletics, that makes a lot of sense. And that's where that um, definition comes from. It comes from powerlifting, it comes from athletics, in which case if I'm lifting 300 kilos and I go to 310 kilos, that's progression. That makes a lot of sense to me. If I'm trying to lift a raw number amount of weight, the number, the number on the bar matters. In muscle building, it's a complete opposite, right? It has nothing to do. I mean, I shouldn't say nothing to do. It's less to do with what's on the bar and more to do with what's happening inside my body, right? So you could you could say, or you can understand that if I'm lifting 300 kilos on the ground, but it's not creating the internal response I'm after, it's a waste of time, right? Mm -hmm. That's logical. Well, how do I define if this, this 300 kilos that I'm lifting is actually creating the internal response that I'm after? Well, the, the one way, the one thing that has to be consistent is the way you do it. Because if I were to say, Steve, walk over and pick up this 100 kilos on the ground, and you were five foot three, that may be a very different muscular recruitment signature than someone who is six foot three. Agreed? Yep. So very, very different. So does it mean that that person can't build that muscle? So like a person who's five foot three, maybe they pick up weight from the ground, they get big quads, and you maybe walk over and you get big glutes or sore back, right, when you're doing this particular exercise. But that, does that mean you can't? No, that means, you know, person X putting more weight on the bar progresses, person Y puts more weight on the bar, gets more pain, because they may just not fit into that exercise correctly. So my belief is you need to start first standardize the quality of anything you do. So it's what I call muscle-centric movement, right? So I'm not focused on the exercise, I'm focused on the muscle, ensuring that I'm getting the greatest degree of challenge, this muscle, at every millimeter of every rep. Right? And millimeters matter because it sounds like I'm paying attention to minutia, but if you look at the actual range of motion, so if I were to do a fly or a pec bench press or something, people would look at my hands, the distance that the weight is traveling, and go, well, that's like an 18, or let's call it a 30 centimeter rep, right? But in reality, if you look at the muscle, the muscle is only moving four centimeters, right? So if you lose millimeters, that's a tremendous amount of potential loss. So, okay. Yeah, so when, you, when you're looking at muscle-centric exercise, you're looking at two ends of a muscle. So you've got an origin, you've got an insertion, right? And that's it. That's all it is. And now the insertion is going to move closer to the origin. The origin has to be as anchored, as stable as possible. If the origin's moving, you don't build muscle. So we need to go, okay, how can this origin stay anchored and the insertion pull closer to the origin and then decelerate it on the way out, right? So it's this acceleration-deceleration thing. And that's the paradigm shift. So I don't give a shit what's happening in the bar and the dumbbell and in, in, in the exercise or the, the machine, right? I don't care. What I'm looking at is that muscle and I'm looking at two ends of that muscle. I'm like, can I get those two things closer together? Can I get those two things as far apart as possible? And then add resistance at every incremental step in that rep. And that's the difference. So rather than looking at the thing in your hand or the thing that you're connected to, look at the muscle and say, what is that muscle doing? Could I take it a little further? Could I create a little more tension? So it's objectively, challenging a muscle not completing a repetition mm. can you see the difference so okay. if we get to the end of three sets of eight repetitions and we're saying all right man finish this leg extension or finish this bicep curl and you do everything in your power to finish that rep and you do it you go, yeah i won and i go well what muscle did you finish it with right so you can certainly finish exercises by having your body cheat shifting their body positions moving mechanically to recruit other muscles or momentum yeah to take away from your ability to build muscle and that's what people miss, man. The goal isn't to do an exercise. Three sets of eight is absolute bullshit. It's bullshit if they're all different, right? Rep one looks different than rep two, different than rep three and four. So until you standardize the stimulus, you can't quantify the stimulus. So my, my statement that often gets repeated is you can't quantify the stimulus until you qualify the stimulus. And that maybe goes over the head for, over the head for some people. It's just like, I have to qualify. I mean, the quality needs to be the same. Let's not talk about volume 
until we can stand How can you? your rep. It's not one plus one. If, right. if it's one plus 1.8 plus 0.6 plus, right? It's all different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it can't, it can't be, um, you can't periodize until you first qualify, meaning standardize that everything looks the same. Because um, then how do I know that three sets of eight is any more than, or any less than three, than four sets of eight? I ultimately don't, right? So range of motion and quality and maintain intention. Right. That, that's the, that you should be working on that before you work on strength. It's, it's the progress. foundation of everything okay. in muscle building. And anyone who's ever had an injury or a sore joint has nothing to do with this being a natural result of muscle building. It has everything to do with you doing it incorrectly. Whether you choose to believe it or not, that's reality. Ex injuries are not par for the course in what we do. That's stupidity. Like your body is absolutely able to do this stuff. It's not par for the course. If you're, something's hurting, you're doing it wrong. If you're not feeling it exactly intensely in the muscle that you're training, you're doing it wrong. And rather than focusing on how many you're doing, focusing on how well are you doing it, right? So it's not, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. And what's the definition of doing it well? Is it, is it the feeling? Is it, is it the retrospective look in a video and saying that rep look complete? No, it has to be the feeling. It has to be, so that the currency of muscle building is tension, right? So how much tension can I possibly create in this muscle? The objective is I need to challenge this muscle. So what does that feel like, right? So how much tension can I create in this muscle? And I'll take it to its fully lengthened position, so it's fully stretched position. Create as much tension as I possibly can there. Make sure that muscle is the thing propelling motion and actually generating the initiation of the movement. Not your legs trying to lift the weight up if you're using the, doing a bicep curl, for example. Right, well, your body is literally ingrained, right? So your brain and your body are fighting against you at every second to conserve energy. Your brain realizes I have a very limited amount of energy, so I wanna do this exercise with the least amount of work possible. So you go, oh, I don't wanna do that. Like, you have to be, first you have to be conscious and present, and you have to say, no, I'm not gonna let anything lift this weight. I'm only gonna allow this particular muscle to lift this weight. What does that feel like to you, right? How different is that as a stimulus rather than just like, hey, I'm gonna finish three sets of eight. So anyone sitting at home listening, you could do a bicep curl with no weight at all and fatigue your biceps in, in six or eight repetitions, just standing there consciously trying to fatigue. Now, if you can't fatigue your muscle, right, with no weight at all, you don't have a good neurological connection with your brain. So if I put a weight into your hand, what business do you have having a weight there if you can't even create contraction with no weight Right, let's learn to create contractions in isolation first. I mean, you could certainly add a little bit of resistance so it gives you that proprioceptive connection. But like people are adding these big weights hoping that the weight's gonna add connection into their, into their muscle. It makes no sense at all, right? I have to connect with my muscle first and then I can learn how to add resistance and load. And that's when muscle building changes. And I put so much muscle on people that people think it's, it's not real or they think it's enhanced. It's not, it's just like train these things correctly Muscle gets more dense, muscle gets thicker, it gets harder, it gets bigger so fast because I'm actually challenging a muscle. So it's muscle-centric exercise. Okay, that blew my mind a little bit. I appreciate that, Ben. I know we can go on a lot more, but we've, uh, we've got uh, engagements to connect to. Um, yeah, I've got, I've got questions. We'll park it for another time. Let us know how um, people can find you online and, and maybe the the most important things right now that people should know of. Now, for, for example, I know you've done like a keto plan, for example, I don't know if that's something that's popular, maybe you can talk to. Well, I think the keto muscle, the keto, so keto muscle intelligence is the program. And I mean, the, the keto diet in the, of itself is becoming very popular. And uh, there's a lot of people who misunderstand what needs to happen on a ketogenic diet to be able to build muscle. 
So we just gave them a guideline and that was really it. It was, we had a lot of press for it. There's, there's not a lot of great people out there. There's some people out there doing it, it's not doing it well. So we put together something that'll be a different guideline for them. Um, and you know, how to adjust your diet if you're on a ketogenic diet to build muscle, like what, okay. are, the, what are the kind of requirements and thoughts? Um, and you know, is it possible? And to be honest, we introduce carbohydrates often for people, uh, not necessarily in, in a large amount. Once you're in ketosis, you can stay in ketosis and still consume uh, strategic carbohydrates at certain times. So that's going to drive performance up and we're having tremendous results and tremendous changes. That's one place. Uh, you know, the podcast is another place people could check out, which is Muscle Intelligence, which is you can go to muscleintelligence.com and, and the podcast is there. Um, and just the website, muscleintelligence.com is a good place cool. to find stuff. Ben, appreciate it. Thank you for the time today, man. I'm going to let you go and have your dinner. Thanks, Ben. Uh, I told you there was some ambiance in the audio recording. Hopefully it didn't distract you too much and you got the essence out of the discussion with Ben Pakulski. If this happens to be the first time you heard of Ben and you want to check him out, then go through to the show notes or adaptnation.io. You've got links to his socials as well as his website and podcast. So go check it out. All right, I think that is a wrap. And that just leaves me to say Adaptation is all about providing you with the tools and expert knowledge to help you improve and optimize your strength, health and mindset inside and out. Until next time, I'll let you crack on and be your best. If you enjoy this show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. And of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might also enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. This is Adapt Nation.